You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. It's your boy. What's up, everybody? How you doing? You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And, um, oops, background noise. Sorry about that. Very unprofessional. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> Larry gave me the evil eye. How's everybody doing, man? Hope everybody's Wednesday is going well. You know, the thing about... Um, having like an off week or an off day at work, you normally would be, you'd be happy. You'd be like, yes, I'm not in the office. I'm not in the office. But that doesn't happen here at Slam Radio. I, I have a week off. I had testing last week. And I'm like, damn it, I can't get behind the desk on my show. And, you know, you missed some news, but I'm back this week and I'm happy to be back. So there's a lot to cover. But before we do that, today's April 21st. What's what is it? What is it today? National Kindergarten Day. Okay, cool. But you want to know what yesterday was? 420 aside what you're thinking about um and national lookalike day and national cheddar fries day it was luther vandross's birthday the late great luther vandross would have turned 70 years old yesterday and um it was pretty cool because uh you you know you log on to google whenever they have the you know certain events or whatever and if you click on the on that emblem in the middle of the screen, you know, it tells you, you know, what day it is or what's going on. So that's how I found out because I went to Google yesterday. But 70 years old, he would have been. And just a little background on Luther was born, obviously, April 20th, 1951 um, in Edison. I'm sorry, in New York. He died in New Jersey. But man, he did not live. He probably did live a full life in his what, like 50 something years on this earth, but he blessed us with some awesome music. I'm I'm an R&B head, all right? I'm, and I'm an old R&B head. I get that from my dad. My dad instilled some good music in me. So, you know, every weekend around the house, you know, parents were cleaning and I'm doing my thing. Luther was playing, you know, all of that, all that old school R&B stuff. So I loved it. And I uh, just wanted to say shout out to Luther and his music. I'm still bumping it. You should be too. Shame on you if you aren't, but it's all good. Uh, you want to know what else I wanted to talk about? I have this sheet. By the way, today we're going to have a pretty good show. We're going to talk a lot, a lot of hardwood, a lot, a lot of basketball. Got Derek from the uh, Kane Gan show calling. We're going to talk some UM football later on. And then hopefully, if Larry's around, we'll get to talk some hoops because there's something I want to pick his brain about. And then Frank obviously jump in on the conversation as well. Um, three of us talking hoops can get, can get pretty fun. So... You want to know what, what, what uh, gets on my nerve, on my last, last nerve, something that I hate, 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 is when people jump on an obvious, supremely obvious narrative, or what I think should be obvious, yet they don't see it that way, but then something happens for them to say, oh my God, look, oh my God, look, and it, it takes an event for them to say look, rather than them having been paying attention the entire time. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Steph Curry. I'm talking about Steph Curry because I told you so. I told you so. Didn't, don't make me pull the audio back because I'll do it. We definitely have it in the archives and not right now because I'm not going to put Frank on the spot like that. But those of you that have been listening and following me on Twitter know what I'm talking about because ever since the season tipped off in December, heck, even before the season's tipped off in December, I was, as a matter of fact, I could tell you when I predicted Steph to be having an MVP-like season, all right? I predicted that when Clay tore his Achilles because, first of all, I, I, I thought Steph was going to have, Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors was going to have a break, not a breakout, but another MVP-like season last year, okay? Um, 
But then, you know, he breaks his wrist and all of that stuff. Clay was out with the ACL. That's why I thought, you know what, Steph's the only guy on that team. He's going to go ahead and do what he has to do. Then he breaks his wrist, misses the season. So I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be a, 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 a nice, healthy Golden State team this year. They're going to be back. Clay tears his ACL, uh, you know, rehabbing his knee. I'm sorry, he tears his Achilles rehabbing his knee. So then I said, you know what, this is the year that Steph is going to go ahead and turn some heads. You guys out there see this 10-game streak that Steph is on and say, oh, my God, he's playing like an MVP. You guys that are now paying attention to the 10-game streak that he's on, don't pay attention to who because he's been doing it all year long. You want to know what? He's been doing it all year long to the tune that he's now the NBA's leading scorer. He surpassed Bradley Beal, who's averaging 31.1 points per game, and Steph is averaging 31.4 points per game. Why did I have this prediction um, earlier on in the year? Well, last year? Because of the simple fact that Clay went down, okay? Nothing is more uh, fearful than a guy who's an absolute scoring machine that just so happens to be the greatest shooter that you have ever seen, that anybody has ever seen, uh, be the number one threat, number two threat, and number three scoring option on the team at the same time because that's exactly what Steph Curry is right now and has been all season for the, for the Golden State Warriors, the first, second, and third option. So... Um, he's sizzling. Last game was on Monday over in Philly versus the Sixers versus little bro Seth Curry. Seth Curry and I'll pull up the box score in a second. Uh, they played a night, actually, against the aforementioned Bradley Beal, um, who, like I said, Steph just passed on this season's scoring list, and, uh, and Russell Westbrook, who's averaging a triple-double, by the way, again with 21-10-10. and 10. So they play those two and the rest of the Wizards in Washington tonight at 7. Then they're back at home on Friday versus the Nuggets, who we'll probably get into in a little bit because whatever they had going on for them is completely out the window in terms of then, uh, you know, making a deep, deep playoff run now that uh, Jamal Murray has torn his ACL. That really, really sucks. last thing you want to see in any sport is any injuries, but especially to the big guns because it just alters everything, okay? Any aspiration that Denver had about winning it all is completely done right now. So um, I want to get into Steph Curry a little bit because for his latest feat, okay, in that game on Philly on Monday, he dropped in 49 points, guys. A point short of being 50. I know he's mad at that free throw that he missed or however many free throws he missed. But 20 of those 49 came when it mattered the most in the fourth quarter, okay? They won 107 to 96 over the Sixers on Monday night. Steph became the first player in NBA history, age 33 or older, to score 30 or more points in 11 straight games, okay? He passed... L.A. legend uh, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, still not used to saying that, um, who scored at least 30 points in 10 straight games in December of 2002. So this is what I want to talk about. Um, in that game on Monday, Steph Curry went 10 of 17 from long range, and he, in the last six games, has combined for 54 three-pointers. In the last three games, one guy has shot 54 three-pointers. That's insane. I, like I've been saying since before, well, not since before the season started, but since the season started, he's playing like MVP Steph, okay? And I called this being an MVP year for him before the season started. But I'm not stupid. You want to know why? I didn't, 
I knew he was going to be playing like an MVP, but I didn't think he was going to win it, and I'll tell you why. Because I knew that the dubs weren't going to make the playoffs, all right? And you know how stupid the NBA MVP uh, voting is. They will give it to the dude that's on a winning team. We've had this conversation plenty of times on this show. The, uh, the, uh, the dubs are barely in the playoffs right now, whether they make it or not, and give it to Curry. That'll be, that'll be great because it'll be truly going to the best player, okay? This isn't a consensus award. This is an individual award. You don't account a team when you talk about MVP, okay? Most valuable player. Now, if you want to give it to the best player on the best team, different deal. But when it comes to being the best player on any team and what that guy means and his impact to a team, it's Steph Curry right now. And by the way, my number two guy for MVP is Chris Paul. What would the Suns be without him? Where were the Suns last season without him? Yes, they were undefeated in the bubble last year. You can say, well, Mike, the start of last year. Okay, great. But you can't tell me that that season-to-season momentum would have been the same if they didn't pick up Chris Paul. He's absolutely balling. And, um... Again, he's the best pure point guard in the NBA. But I want to talk, I want to go back to the streak that Steph had. Again, 10 of 17 from long range on Monday. And um, there's a clip here that I want to play from uh, Steve Kerr and talking about that streak. Here it is right now. I, I've, I've seen Kobe Bryant, um, you know, early in his career had a, a stretch where he went nuts. And obviously Michael Jordan had some stretches where he just uh, – you know, scored like crazy, but but obviously nobody's ever shot the ball like this in the history of the game. And um, even by Steph's own lofty standards, um, this is uh, above and beyond. Above and beyond. This is, comes from a guy that played with Michael Jordan, okay, saw like the best years of Mike, or were they the best years of Mike? That's something that I'm gonna, we're going to talk about later. Uh, that'll be a good teaser, or it is a good teaser. But listen to this, okay? So I have pulled up um, Kobe Bryant's stats. Well, not stats, but the scoring totals that he had in two different streaks in two different seasons. And I asked myself yesterday, I said, you know what? Which streak is more impressive, this one that Steph is on right now or the one that Kobe had or one of the ones that Kobe had twice, one in 2002 and the other in the 2012-2013 uh, season? This is just a little snippet of, of what Kobe did, okay? In the 2000, let me see here. I have my tweet pulled up. Okay, so I made a tweet, uh, and I'm reading it verbatim. As, as enamored as I am with Steph Curry's play all year, and not just of late, as a bunch of people are all of a sudden, this streak he's on isn't better than what Kobe did in 02. Uh, definitely a better display of shooting, but not a better display of overall scoring. That's how I feel. So check this out, because... In, let me see here. Okay, so the in, in December of the 2012-2013 season, um, Kobe went on a 10-game tear of the following. He scored 35, 34, 42, 31, 30, 34, 30, 34. I'm sorry, 34, 34, and 40, okay? Now get this, that's 10 games, right? In the game before this 10-game streak, he hit 29 points, okay? So just shy of 30. But the two games before he scored 29 points, he scored 34 and 39. So you can say in 13 games, he hit 30-plus 12 times, okay? So get this. In the 11th game after that 10-game streak, he scored 27 points. But then he goes on to score 36 and 38 in games 12 and 13. So in 16 games... 
there were only two games in which he didn't hit 30 points. One of them was 29, and the other one was 27. That's absolutely ridiculous when you think about defenses being a lot more uh, in your face back in 2012, 2013. It doesn't seem that long ago when you say 2012, 2013, but heck, a lot happens in one year. So imagine what happens in nine. We've seen the, ev uh, the evolution of the NBA in just a couple seasons. It's now a completely, supremely shooting league, and it wasn't like this in 2012, 2013. I mean, there was still such thing as a big man that played the whole game, all right? And, um, you know, that was the thing. So I, in my opinion, I asked myself, which one was more difficult? I feel Kobe's was because Kobe's wasn't shooting. Kobe wasn't shooting as many threes as Steph was. He didn't shoot 54 threes in six games. That's, I, that's video game stuff. That's PlayStation. That's, that's Xbox stuff. And, um, you know, Kobe, for, for his career, he shot 32% from the three-point line. So that, number one, I, I make it more difficult. There was somebody that replied to the two, and they had a really good point yesterday. They said that, you know, well, Steph is fighting double teams. He's bringing the ball up the court, and defenses are throwing everything at him. True, and I can't even fault that. But it's still easier to score now in today's NBA because you literally can't play with your hands on the perimeter anymore. Like, it's literally a foul. We've all seen it. We've seen replays of, quote-unquote, fouls that aren't even fouls. So it's like, what, what? come on, man. Everybody's going to the free throw line. It's just, it's easier, it's way easier to score right now than it is, you know, when Kobe was playing or much less, you know, mid to late 90s or early or in the 80s when, you know, you had to basically draw blood for, their to, for them to even consider a foul. But then get this, okay? That was just one streak that Kobe had in the 2012-2013 season, all right? He had a streak, just to follow up from that one, from January 29th uh, through February 28th of the 02-03 season, Kobe's scoring run was as follows, okay? 40, 38, 42, 35, 46, 42, 51, 44, 40, 52, 40, 40, 41, 32, 30, and 34 points. That is 16 games of 30-plus and all of February. Started in late January, all through February. 16 games, guys, and he, he hit 50 points how many times? Twice. 40 points, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, not, 8 times. And 30-plus in each of those 16 games. That's just kind of that's, – that's not kind of crazy. That's very crazy. So, I've, like I said, I called myself calling – Kobe's streaks, one or both of them, more impressive than what Steph is on right now. But, um, man, we got to finish this conversation on the other side of the break because there's a lot more to, to poke and prod about this than what I have in front of me. So just stick around and a lot more NBA uh, talk on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slime Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you, holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. 
You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm going to step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed the drug test, didn't he? And he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door, which is he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're going to knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank is... Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I... That, that, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, rico. you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Thank you, Frank. A tribute and ode to the late, great Luther Vandross, whose 70th birthday would have been yesterday. April 20th, was born 1951 in New York. Let that ride out for a little bit. Classics never die. From an R&B head, that's me. We're still talking NBA hoops, Steph Curry, and the big I told you so. Ooh. Mm, 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 mm. Gonna make me take off this headphone and just start dancing all over the studio, man. But yeah, um, Steph Curry, man. I told you so, guys. I told you so. 
And there's nothing more satisfying than saying, I told you so. Because everybody's been wanting to jump on this guy's, you know what, uh, the past 10 games. But I'm thinking, how? What? Why? Does it have to be? Why does he have to go on an absolute scoring tier to be, you know, that's comparable to what Kobe did twice in his career for people to say, oh, Steph, now nah, he's been doing this. And I hope, I hope to God that he keeps playing well enough for him to get the award because I would love to see it go to a guy that isn't at the top of the standings or heck even if they don't make the playoffs that would be awesome okay I think the only guy to ever win an NBA MVP and not make the playoffs was Kareem I think if I'm not mistaken but um yeah man let's look into career numbers for Steph because the only unanimous MVP to win the award in 1516 I believe when he averaged 30.1 Per game, he's surpassing that right now, averaging 31.4. Again, the league leader, he surpassed uh, Bradley B, who's averaging 31.1 right now. Okay, so in the both MVP seasons that Steph won, uh, you know, the league's best player in 14-15 and in 15-16, he's averaging better numbers than he is. Than, than, he's averaging better numbers now than he was then. Okay, um, the assists are a little down there at six. Okay, he was averaging six and seven in 14 and 15. And the points per game are up. Uh, the free throw percentage, Steph is always a nasty three, uh, free throw shooter. He is averaging uh, 922 right now, which is better than both of those years. He's playing like the man. He's playing like the man. And if you don't think that that team is different with him off the floor, just go reference that 77-point game they had like, I don't know, two weeks ago, all right? Their confidence level is through the roof, and I think yours would be too if you were playing with a guy uh, of his level. But um, he's averaging 39.9, 6.6 rebounds, and 4.3 assists over the last 10 games in April. And, uh, oh, by the way, he took away – I'm sorry, he took over uh, Wilt Chamberlain's all-time uh, mark as the leading scorer in Warriors history. Did you know that? If you didn't, now you know. Wilt Chamberlain, the same guy that scored 100 points in a game, the only guy to score 100 points in a game in NBA history, a guy that averaged more than 40 and 50 points in a season, that Wilt Chamberlain, okay? Um, for his career in Golden State, where is it? I have it right here, or I thought I had it. But, yeah, uh, Curry's on that list, and here it is. No, I don't. What happened to the – I don't know what happened to the – anyway, I had it right here. I'm not sure what happened to it. But Steph Curry passed him. That's, that's the week that he had last week. Here it is. Here we go. So Stephen Curry, uh, 2009 to right now, with the Warriors, 17,818 points. Uh, Wilt had from 59 to 65. Those are the years he played with the Warriors, 1959 to 1965. He scored 17,783 points, remember. Wilt was playing with the Sixers as well, with the Lakers as well, and, um, you know, with the Warriors. So he had lengthy stays in each of those three stops in the NBA, one of the greatest uh, scoring leaders, or well, one of the – definitely one of the greatest scoring leaders of all time. Steph Curry passed that guy, okay? Steph Curry passed that guy, and, again, he's doing it at a pace that – uh, it's just it's just nuts, but nothing compared to what Kobe did. Again, Kobe in 2012-2013 went on a nasty tear. He did it in 02-03, and I think Kobe's is just a little bit more impressive because Steph is definitely definitely shooting the lights out. Okay, like I said, 54 three pointers in six games, but you know you think about Kobe and the kind of defense they were playing back then, and uh, you know he had to go up against a big man at the at the at the hoop whenever he was driving in. Kobe had a mid-range game, wasn't the greatest three-point shooter, but he was getting to the free throw line, would obviously drive. It was just a different way of scoring. It wasn't just coming off of picks, all right? He was more uh, more of a half-court game back then. You weren't pulling up from three, uh, you know, in transition all the time. So 
that's that. Okay, I think I've had enough of Steph Curry talk. But you want, you want to know what I want to do right now? I want to defend, I want to defend Russell Westbrook because he's been taking a lot of heat again, unwarranted heat. And, you know, the ring leader lately has been Stephen A. Smith over at ESPN, you know, talking about Russ. And I'm just thinking, why? Like, what's going on? So, you know, Stephen A. had his comment that he said he's just not impressed with Russ averaging a triple-double again. First of all, that's ridiculous, okay? Because this is like, the what, the fourth, fifth time in Russ's career that he's done that? How can you not be impressed? Well, Stephen A. was saying something like, well, I'm not impressed because we've seen him do it, okay? Win a championship now. And I, those, those comments got on my nerves simply because he made it seem like not winning a championship was all on Russ, okay? I'm sorry, but if you're not the best team that year, you're just not the best team. There's 29 teams that are not great enough to win it at the end of the, at the, end of the year, okay? And if you finish second, you still finish last. If you make it to the NBA Finals and you lose, you still finish just like all the other teams that didn't even make it as far as you did. Second place, you lost, okay? There's only one first place, so... Uh, you still get a banner, though, so you don't finish like everyone else. You get a banner. You get a banner. You don't get that fat bonus. You don't get that fat ring. <laughs> but, yes, you get a banner. You do get a banner. <laughs> um, but, I mean, look, you know, Russ was on good teams. He was on a team that was up 3-1 versus the Warriors' 73-win team, okay? But they couldn't close it out. Yes, that was the last year KD was there. Then everybody knows what happened after that, okay? He was with Paul George for a year, in which Paul George was actually being discussed for being... Uh, for the MVP award. And then, you know, you go to Houston, it doesn't work out with James Harden. But, I mean, it's it's everybody. Those, those, those comments upset me a lot because Stephen A. Smith should know that of all sports, basketball is the one that you need at least, well, now three, but at least two to three superstars to at least get to the finals to win it all. All right? So it, it got on my nerves because he made it seem like it was all on Russ when it isn't. Again, this is the guy's, like, what, fourth, maybe fifth time in his career that he's averaging – averaging a triple-double. If it was so easy, more guys would be doing it, okay? He's averaging 21, 10, and 10 right now. And it just got on my nerves. It got on my nerves because how can you sit there and talk about a guy that's doing something that hasn't been done since Oscar Robinson, and he's been doing it twice in the past, I don't know, however many years. I don't care if it doesn't equate to, to a championship ring. You, if you don't think that Russell Westbrook is going to go down as one of the greatest players in NBA history, then what the hell is wrong with you? I mean, do people sit here and talk crap about Patrick Ewing? Do people sit here? Well, Charles Barkley gets heat all the time, but that's because he deserves it. <laughs> he puts himself in those positions. But, you know, Carl Malone, John Stockton, guys like that, you know, in other sports, Dan Marino, come on, man. Come on, man. Championships and numbers and stats do not define a career. I probably in the minority of that, but I don't think they define how great you are. Sure, it may alter where you rank amongst amongst certain players, but in terms of being a great player and you know an icon and somebody that changed the game, no way in hell. Russ is going to go down as one of the best point guards to play, the second most athletic point guard to play uh, behind my my guy Derrick Rose in his prime. But that's how I feel about that. I just wanted to go ahead and defend Russ because I don't think he deserves it. I, I really don't think he deserves it. And there was something else that I wanted to talk about that I found really, really cool. And if you guys missed it, I'm sure NBA TV will play it again. But they had this thing on the 1996 NBA draft, and it was awesome because I remember watching that entire draft from first pick to last pick in the second round, having my notebook out, because why? I had NBA Live 96 on Super Nintendo, and I had to create all these players. <laughs> I had to create all these players, so I sat down, wrote their name, their height, their weight, 
their, um, you know, what school they came from. And that draft, if you do not remember, let me just throw out some names for those of you that can't think that far back. Who was the first overall pick in that draft? None other than Allen Iverson, one of the greatest shooting guards to ever play in the game, okay? A guy with a huge heart and a guy that just came to play no matter what. A guy that said, sit out to rest? What? Like, what? We don't, we don't have days off like that. The guy played 82 games hurt uh, if he could all the time. Allen Iverson went first in that draft. Um, Marcus Camby, second overall pick from UMass, was a really good defender, shot blocker, athlete in the paint, did it all. Uh, not so much of a score, but a really good piece for that Knicks team that went to the finals in, what was it, 99, the losing to the, uh, to the Spurs for the first time, okay? Sharif Abdul-Rahim from, um, from California, a really good overall player, one of those uh, first guys to come out, an oversized big that can kind of stretch the floor and run the floor, really good player, Stephon Marbury. Then we start getting into some big names, man. Ray Allen was picked fifth by the Wolves. Not sure if how many people re remember that. But then he was traded, okay, yes, traded to Milwaukee. Why? Because Stephon Marbury was actually picked by the Bucks. So Stephon Marbury ends up getting traded to Minnesota so they can get paired up. Well, so he can get paired up with Kevin Garnett. And even though they didn't win a championship, those were some good teams over there. You know, there was a year that they should have at least got to the finals. You had Steph, you had Charles Sprewell. Uh, I think, uh, I forgot who the other guy was, but obviously Kevin Garnett. And um, it was a really good, it was a really good series. I think it ended in like seven games. I think, I think if our memory serves me right, the Wolves were up like two to one or three to one in that game where they could have really put their stamp on the, you know, their, their, their foot on the necks of the Lakers. They just couldn't seal that deal. And then that game ended, I'm sorry, that series ended with the Lakers winning it. So then um, Kerry Kittles, I'm sorry, Antoine Walker goes six to Boston. Uh, Lorenzen Wright, Kerry Kittles goes eight to New Jersey. Kerry Kittles, that would make the third shooting guard taken ahead of Kobe Bryant. Well, at the time, Allen Iverson was taken as a point guard. He got moved to shooting guard later on in his career. Larry Brown moved him. So I should technically say two, sh two shooting guards ahead of uh, Kobe Bryant, Samaki Walker, Eric Dampier. Kobe Bryant got taken 13th in that draft by the Charlotte Hornets. Then everybody knows, you know, he got traded to um, to L.A. for, uh, oh boy, for Vladi, for Vladi Divac. Peja, if you guys remember that name, Peja Stojakovic goes six, goes uh, 14th to the to the Kings. Steve Nash, 15th to Phoenix. Jermaine O'Neal, 17th to Portland out of high school. The Knicks had a hell of a draft that year, and I'm thinking, oh, they're now loading up because at the time, John Wallace, Walter McCarty, and Dante Jones, they were some awesome college basketball players. John Wallace for Syracuse, Walter McCarty for Kentucky. Uh, Big Z, Zadrunas Agoskis, gets drafted by the Cavs at 20. Um, Derek Fisher went 24 to the Lakers. Uh, just an awesome, awesome draft, the name was. And in the second round, the notables in the second round, let me see if any ring up, but Malik Rose won a championship or two with the, with the Spurs, an integral part, a 3 and D guy. He got drafted in the second round. Uh, who else? Shandon Anderson, okay, went to uh, Utah at pick 54. And those are pretty much the notables there in the second round. Oh, Othella Harrington was a really good player for Houston. But my God, man, one of the all-time drafts. Again, Iverson, Marbury, Camby, Raheem, Antoine Walker, Ray Allen, uh, Kobe Bryant, Steve. How many Hall of Famers are there? You got Nash, one. Bryant, two. Ray Allen, three. Uh, Iverson, four. 
You can argue maybe Antoine Walker's going to get in at six. You know, that would, that'll make five. So, I, again, just one of those all-time drafts. And NBA TV did an awesome job talking about it. So, um, yeah, if you guys didn't catch it, I, I really hope that you get a chance to because uh, it interviews in-depth, and it was funny. <laughs> there was, uh, and I'm going to close out the segment with this, there was a, remember, you know, Slam Magazine, you know, if you're a hooper, if you love basketball, you know what Slam Magazine is. So they had the photo shoot of all the first-rounders taken in that draft. And who was missing? Who do you think was missing, right? It can't be the first overall pick, Allen Iverson, right? Well, of course it was. That just reeks of Allen Iverson to, <laughs> to be missing for that photo shoot. They could not find him. So they find Allen Iverson for this interview and ask him about the photo shoot. And he... It was really funny. It's typical Allen Iverson. He said, you know what? I'm really glad that I get to finally say my part about all this and tell my reason why I was not in that shoot. I've been trying to get this off my chest for a really long time. And he admits to not, doing, to not knowing where the hell he was. <laughs> they asked him. He said, man, I, I don't know. I really don't remember where I was, what I was doing. I was young and dumb, made a lot of mistakes back then. But the first overall pick in the 1996 NBA draft, Allen Iverson, missed the cover photo shoot for Slam Magazine that year. And that's just, that's just, that's just Allen for you. <laughs> so um, going to come back on the other side of the break. We've got Derek Coe calling in from the Kane Gang Show. Going to talk some Hurricanes football. And then we will uh, – we're not done talking hoops because I have a really interesting segment that I want to talk with uh, Larry and Frank about. So we're going to do that later on in the show. Really, really, really something that you're not going to want to miss. We're going to compare Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, and LeBron James. How the hell can you combine all those four guys? Think about it. They have something that's very, very in common. So I'll leave you with that, and I'll see you on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM, Channel 145, Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you, holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show. On Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended. 
after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm gonna step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed the drug test, didn't he? Said he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door, which is, he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're gonna knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank, oh, oh yeah. Oh, that, that, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs, in order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys, it's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Hello, this is Michael, the playmaker Irving, three-time Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys, and I am an NFL Hall of Famer. Trust me, you're listening to the best Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. And we're back. Frank with the throwbacks, I appreciate that. See, that's that's the sign of a good producer. He's listening, he said, I'm a, I'm an R&B head, old school R&B head, and then he's throwing him in there. I'm diverse, I'm versatile when it comes to music. It's not all about... You know, the gym tunes and the M&Ms and, you know, all of that stuff. Love Eminem. But, uh, yeah, some Bill Withers, right? Boom, no my stuff. Okay, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Appreciate you guys sticking around with me throughout that last break in which I was just, had a little I told you so moment about Steph Curry. Everybody wants to be in love with him after seeing him the last 10 games when they should have been paying attention to him all season long. And your boy here has been saying he's been playing like an MVP candidate all along. But 10 games, people want to say, oh, look at Steph Curry. Nah, I've been saying that. But um, we're going to go ahead and switch gears really quick and talk about my favorite subject. Should be your favorite subject. Definitely Derek Cole's favorite subject. Who's on the line with us right now from the Kane Gang Show? We're going to talk about some Hurricanes football. D man, how you been? How's it going? 
What's good, Mike, man? I appreciate you having me on, man. Everything's good. How you doing? Man, I can't complain. First of all, thank you for uh, making yourself available very last minute. I appreciate that. Um, wanted to, you know, say thank you for that. But everything's going good, man. Can't complain. I wanted to get you on and talk about some Kings from Guys, by the way, if you don't, if you're not familiar with uh, Derek's show and um, right here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio, uh, the Kane Gang Show, which airs every Friday at, what is it, it's 10 or 11 o'clock, Derek? 11 to 1. 11 to 1 every Friday. Tune that in because, I mean, if you're a Hurricanes fan, you definitely want to listen to their stuff and the interviews that they have. Derek knows everybody, so he gets some really good heads on the show. And they do a good job covering Canes football. So the last big piece of news that Hurricanes fans, and again, I wasn't on last week, so this is why we didn't talk about it. But the spring game took place, and so I wanted to take a uh, look at that a little bit and kind of get your thoughts on how you felt going into the spring game, D, and maybe afterwards because I didn't take much from it. Why? Because there were so many, many pieces missing, which did give us a chance to look at a lot of younger guys. But h- how are you feeling overall, man? You know, I'm like, I'm like you. Like, I really don't put a lot of emphasis on a spring game. Normally I don't because, again, it's just going to be basic vanilla. Right. You know, just kind of get through, make sure there's no injuries, blah, blah, blah. There were a lot of people out. But going into this, like, I thoroughly was impressed with especially the quarterback play. Okay. Um, the O-line I thought played really well. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously, again, we can go on and say, you know, the drops, you know, I mean, Tyler Van Dyke put a ball on the money with Mark Pope running down the sideline and Pope drops it, right? It's Wiggins. The one that Wiggins dropped, I think if that was under review, I definitely think that's a catch. Um, But I I thought the quarterbacks really stepped up in the place of Dury King. Now, obviously, they're going to be battling for QB2 coming, you know, into the fall. Um, But you can see that the, the talent there and the comfortableness that they had in the pocket, both of them stepping up in the pocket, making throws, moving around. I think the future is bright at quarterback for the University of Miami moving forward. Absolutely. No, I agree with that, and the sentiment is the same amongst Kane fans, you know, all around. The one thing, I'm going to put you on the spot, the one thing that I asked myself, let's just put a hypothetical here. Let's just say that King wasn't available to start the year or throughout, you know, for the year at all. For what you saw, you know, between TVD and Jake, who are you starting? Or I'm going number nine, man. Number nine. I, no, I'm going with TVD. I mean, obviously – I think Jake's got the goods, but when you look at TVD and the command that he takes in that in that pocket, mm-hmm. um, again, look at the stature of him, 6'4", 220 plus. Right. Um, been in the system already for um, over a year. And an um, I think that athlete. gives him the benefit. Correct. Um, I, I do think that gives him the nod. Now, it's it's a good problem to have at this point. Yeah. You know, if and that's something that we haven't had. And I'm not not I'm not knocking the Ryan Rizic and the Peyton Matokas and oh, no, you know no. those type of people, mm-hmm. but. You can clearly see Jake Garcia, TVD, battling for QB2 um, or potentially QB1 if something happens or Derry King is not able, you know, to start the season. Okay. Now, I'm like, I'm with you. I've always been a TVD guy. It's just, I mean, you have to pay attention to, you know, the spring game. You got to pay attention to everything. It's not just, you know, the spring game. It's the reps leading up to the spring game, the practices leading up to the spring game. But I think, and I can't even base this on experience because both of them haven't even – you know, well, TV hasn't played any significant college snaps, and obviously Jake none at all. But I guess just with the familiarity of the systems, what kind of makes me comfortable in saying if King wasn't available, to, you know, to start the season or whatever, I'd probably go number nine. But um, yeah, Jake was Jay looked like he's been here for two, three years, and you know his talent throwing the ball, his ball placement is awesome. 
Okay, I saw some spirals just come off his arm. That look, I mean, you were there in person. How did he look pregame? Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of things in person that you don't on, you know, when you're on, on TV. What, what, did, what are some things that you noticed that maybe most people didn't? Well, for both of them, again, I just think it was just the confidence that they have. You know, they're dropped back, let the ball go, real tight spirals. You know, the one thing that I saw with Jake is he still has a tendency to, to lead the guys a little high. Okay. Um, if you notice one of his first passes to Michael Redding, it was probably a foot or two high, and Michael Redding took a shot right in his back. And uh, so, again, there was a couple of high balls. But, again, that's just mechanics and footwork. I think that can get worked out. Um, but they both looked really good. You know, and again, so there's no knock on that except for you, you can't simulate Alabama's defense when you're running against the twos on Miami's defense. And I don't care how many people Alabama is losing. Like, you're just – they're still Alabama, right? So um, – I think if you get past, you know, once you get past the Alabama game, whether or not it's a win or a loss, you know, that's where your schedule really is set up for you. Um, and I don't care who's that quarterback, really the talent that you have all across the board, you really should run the table um, next season. I hear that, man. I hear that. And it's something that we always talk about preseason. Oh, this year Miami won, win, two, win, three, whatever it is. <laughs> but, I mean, something about this year, I hope it's different. I'm not going to say it feels different because I've been saying that it feels different. It feels No, I hope it's different this time. I'm not going to catch myself this time around. I'm not going to do that. By the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. On the line with my buddy Derek Cole. If you know him from the Kane Gang, if you don't know him from the Kane Gang Show on this very fine station, you you should airs every Friday from 11 to 1, and they always have some good material over there. Check that out. Um, other than the quarterbacks, uh, obviously we got we know what's going on with the running back room, and it's a room that yeah. looks just as good. And maybe this is not fair to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. At least on paper, okay. Even though a lot of these guys, you know, haven't played that much, it's probably as much talent since we've seen. Um, that we've had since we had, uh, you know, the guys like Gore, Portis, McGahee, and who else am I missing from that running back room way back in the day? Oh, James Jackson, oh, Frank Gore, yes. Najee, Look you know, uh, McGahee, Portis, uh, Jared Payton, Quatran Hill. I yes. mean, you can just roll roll them all up. I mean, and I think that this this these running backs aren't as talented as those guys. Okay. But if you go back to like the oh eight oh nine, when you look at like. The Damien Berry, the Javari James, the Greg Cooper. Mm -hmm. I think that that's where a little bit more similarity. You'll never be able to duplicate the Portises, the McGahees, the Gores, you know, those guys. So, you know, let's put it more into a little bit more perspective. Now, I'm not saying that these guys can't turn out to be phenomenal athletes, um, but I, I just wouldn't put that, that much, uh, you know, cream on the top when you talk about that, you know, 2000 to 2003, 4 class. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't blame you. Those are literally, those guys are Hall of Famers, at least one of them. And what, Correct. Frank is sitting at, what, number three right now on the all-time rushing list? Soon to break. All-time rushing list number three? Yeah, man, listen, definitely Hall of Famer. You know, and the crazy thing is, man, you know, with two blown ACLs, yes. you know, in college, and then still running the rock, you know, and you look at McGahee's out of the league, Portis is out of the league, you know, Parrot, uh, Jared Payton had a, a stint in the league. You know, it's just, it's crazy to see that Frank Gore, going into 17 years is still like just just pushing that rock i can't believe that um and i should have had this up i just didn't know we were going to head this way i wonder how many guys in that draft class are still even playing or running backs no less are even playing because we're talking about the 2005 nfl draft and i mean oh my god um like you said he's still kicking straight here from the u obviously known for his time at san francisco played in the super bowl against baltimore and i think it was what 2012 
well, 2013. Obviously, they didn't win it, but a guy that's going to go down in NFL history as one of the best. What about defensively, man? Who's been getting a lot of hype? Um, I'm sorry. Um, the guy who's been getting a lot of hype is Avante Williams, and he's just all over the field. What has you excited defensively? You know, for me, it starts up front, right? Because your, your corners and your linebackers really aren't going to be as good as they could can be, let me rephrase that, mm-hmm. if it's not for your defensive line. I mean, obviously you need solid D tackles. You need your ends to be able to push up the field and, you know, hold containment. Um, Avante, and again, we're missing Bubba. You know, there's other guys that are out. But I like Avante. James Williams hasn't been on campus yet. Right. Leonard Taylor hasn't been on campus yet. You know, you're going to be solid with the, with uh, Gervin and, and Bubba in the back. Um, I like the move for Carter moving down the structure. Yes, I think yes. that's a solid move. The other move that I think is very, very beneficial, some people might disagree with me, but Zach McLeod playing defensive end I think is going to be a huge impact. Someone of his size, 6'3 and a half, getting up to about 260, 265, who has the instincts of a linebacker but now is putting his hand on the dirt. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's not even just the talent of what he brings. It's the coaching with, like, the Jess Simpsons now yes. being able to teach these guys. And I think that's the most valuable thing that we have is now coaches who are able to teach and I think that's going to be, you know, play a huge role. You know, obviously you lose, you know, Rousseau last year who opted out, but you lose Quincy, you lose Jalen. You really need your ends to step up. DeAndre Johnson yep. coming from Tennessee, I think is going to be solid. Jahar Harvey, I think is going to be good. But to me, it's all about the defensive line, man. You got to have Nesta, Harrison Hunt, Ford. You know, you guys came back for a reason. Like yeah. this is where you guys got to step yeah. up. I agree with that. I agree. And before I forget, I pulled it up. I'm just going to pull up some first-rounders in the 2005 draft that Gore came in with. None of these guys are playing. Alex Smith just retired. Ronnie Brown, Braylon Edwards, Adam Jones, Trell, DeMarcus Ware, Sean Marriott, sorry, Sean Merriman, uh, Aaron Rodgers is still playing. He's the only first-rounder that's probably still playing. Uh, just all these guys, and Frank is a running back, okay, heading into the, like you said, 17th season, still playing. But like you were saying, man, um, yes, up front, I agree with that. And I like McLeod on there, and this is what I what I try to tell people. Don't be upset if you see a lot of McLeod out there, because if he's playing, this season strikes me as the season that guys aren't going to get sympathy snaps and snaps that uh, – yeah, there's a guy behind you that's better and practicing better, but he's not going to play because you're well, – it doesn't strike me as that, year, especially with guys like Simpson out there, guys like T-Rob coaching. I just don't get that feel, yeah. okay? No favoritism. No. I, listen, the, the whole favoritism thing and the upperclassmen, like that's got to go by the wayside. You finally have enough depth to be able to, again, even with Cam Williams, Chance Williams, um, Elijah Roberts, Quentin Williams, you know, you have uh, – Javari Ishmael coming in, Leonard Taylor coming in. Like, there's no reason now where you're playing these upperclassmen. And and not to go back towards the offense, but this is where I feel like the Popes and the Wiggins, we've known what we've got from them for the last three years. Now it's time to see these young guys. And, again, the Romella Brentons, the Jacoby George, the Bashard Smith, those guys aren't even on campus yet. And you put them in with the Charleston Rambos, the Mike Harley, Xavier Restrepo looks like he's going to be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You know, those – those are the type of guys that Michael Redding, Keyshawn Smith, I think, is going to have a breakout year. Yeah. And then again, you look at your tight ends with the Will Mallory's, Elijah Arroyos. Like it's it's going to be interesting to see how Rhett Lashley uses all these individuals. I'm hoping 
because you brought up the tight ends, and I'm not going to get into detail because I don't know the details. And even if I did, <laughs> I'm just whatever. I'm just hoping we get to see 81 out there because, you know, there's some stuff yeah. recently. And I'm not going to say it's going to be a huge loss because I don't know how good he was going to be. But the guy was slated to be tight end number two, all right, behind uh, yeah. Mallory. And I'm sorry, but in the past few seasons, you've seen Mallory excel at that TE2 role. So, you know, uh, Arroyo, I'm, I'm assuming, will probably step in and, on his behalf if things don't go the way that uh, we hope for Larry Hodges. But defensively, yeah. let me ask you real quick, man. I want to talk about James Williams. Are you one of those guys that would like to see him stay at safety? And I believe he is because he wasn't going to come here if he wasn't. But um, at least that's what I've heard. All right. It was kind of like, look, I'm going to play safety. If not, you know, whatever. But are you those guy, one of those guys that want to see him play safety exclusively or, or at the end of the day want to see him grow into putting his hands in the dirt? Because I want to see him do some Isaiah Simmons stuff and play all over the board. So that, and that's a great name that you brought up because that's who I was thinking of. You know, you're 6'5", you know, you got to put a little bit of weight on. But obviously, you know, again, you can go back there and play safety. You can come up and guard the line. You can put your hand in the dirt and come off the edge. Like with James Williams, I think you can use him in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. And, again, just use him the right way um, I think is the beneficial. Even with Sean Taylor, Sean Taylor did the same thing. Right. He would come up, you know, he would fill the box. Um, he would also be able to, you know, you know, on a blitz from time to time. And that's what I want to see our defense is be creative. Um, Not just so, so overly aggressive, but just be, Mm -hmm. you know, just be, um, be, be aggressive, but just be patient about it. You know what I mean? So I think we'll see, wait to see what happens. And then uh, we'll go from there. I hear that, and I think that's going to happen because when you said creative, the first thing that came to mind was that pick six, that famous Bandy versus Notre Dame pick six that he had. Oh, yeah. And the reason I bring that up is because on the field, on that play, there were three true freshmen. Obviously, Bandy, you had Garvin, and Amari Carter was lined up as a defensive tackle on that play. He pulled off, and he backed off and ended up dropping back, but still – um, three defensive tackles and a safety was lined up. I'm sorry, three freshmen and uh, safety was lined up as a defensive tackle. So I do think, uh, you know, with Manny calling plays, we're going to see that. And um, we have a lot of interchangeable parts, man. A lot of guys that can play more than one position. And I think football has evolved a lot in the sense that it's kind of like basketball where you need versatile guys, interchangeable guys that can do so many things on the court. I think you need that, especially defensively in the game of football Correct. with offenses you know, going crazy. So, yeah, man, um, last thing I wanted to ask you, last thing I wanted to ask you about Manny, you know, everybody has what their opinion is about him. This year, if I tell you that nine wins is what – say I have a crystal ball and Miami wins nine games, including a bowl win – not including an ACC championship, but an ACC championship game appearance. Is that good or bad for many? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Because, I mean, if you're looking at three losses and you're including the ACC championship game in there, that means two previous losses. I mean, you've marked one up to Alabama. Um, you know, who was the other loss? I don't see that being SSU. Mm-hmm. I don't see it being North Carolina either. They lost a lot of people. Yeah. So, um I think you have to get to the ACC title game. Mm-hmm. And, again, if you get there and it's against Clemson, you have to be – and it goes back to Alabama. I think that's going to be the tone center. Yeah. You have to be competitive. If you lose, you lose. You're not expected to win that game. But if you're competitive, 10 points, 13 points going into the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a solid game, I'm okay with that. But then it's what do you do week two, yep. you know, Michigan State, 
you know, yeah. going through the motions, you know, and then I'm not even, you know, counting, you know, Central Connecticut, mm-hmm. whatever they are, but then you got Virginia on your fourth game, and then you have a bye before you get ready for Carolina. So that first five games is really going to tell me about our season. No, I agree, and it, it reminds me of a couple of years ago when Miami went to Orlando, played Florida tight, game that they really should have won. <laughs> And then, Correct. you know, the response was, okay, you lost, but how are you going to look against UNC next week? And for the most part, I'm not going to say for the most part, but I mean, should have walked away victorious, and then we all know what happened fourth down. But uh, yeah. what you just said reminds me but of But you that. can't spot them 17 points in the first quarter either, though. No, you, you know, and it's the same thing like Oklahoma State. You can't spot them 21 points in the first oh, quarter. God. You're not that good to come back from that. No, so. no, no. I 100% agree. We, we see things through the same lens in that regard. But, Derek, <laughs> man, again, um, it was completely last minute. I think I texted you about maybe an hour or two ago, but I appreciate you making yourself available and coming on, talking some Canes football with me, dude. Anytime, man. Bro, listen, that's what we're here for, man. We're, you know, we're part of the Slam Radio family, so whatever you need, I got you, and, you know, vice versa. I know if I, I need something, I know I can count on you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that, and I'll see you in, in, in Atlanta, man, in September. Bet that up, man. Listen, continue to do what you're doing, man, enjoying the show. You do the same, man. Stay safe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's Derek Coe from the Kane Gang Show. We are going to take a break, step away, pay some bills, and we'll be back. I'm going to go ahead and give you a little bit of my thoughts of what we talked about. Kane's football just now on the other side of the break. Listening to Michael, I'm sorry, <laughs> the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you, holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm going to step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed the drug test, didn't he? Said he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door, which is he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They are going to knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank, oh, oh yeah. Oh, that, that, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. 
it's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger. Because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Man, I'm still not used to saying this one. Rest in peace, D, man. X, God. Talk about hype music, man. One of the best hype artists to ever live. Don't put him in a box. The dude was great. So there's a backstory to this song, and I just found out about it before going on air. Frank, you want to share? Yeah, so Irv Gotti was uh, the producer for this album, and he had DMX and his crew inside of the studio one day, and DMX was always super hype, like Mike was talking about, so they recorded the song. DMX thought he was done. Irv's like, yo, I'm not feeling it. And DMX is like, what do you mean? So he goes in there, he records it again. He goes, I'm not feeling it. This isn't it. You got to bring what you got to bring. So DMX stomps into the booth, <laughs> starts breathing very heavily. And that entire hype ad lib that wasn't on that version because that's a clean version, but that's on the, ver on the explicit version. That entire hype ad lib was all ad lib and it was mm -hmm. all directed towards Irv Gotti or as <laughs> Irv Gotti assumed that it was directed towards him because here he is. Telling this man DMX that he doesn't have what he says he has, that he needs to bring it stronger. And DMX was saying, you think it's a game? You think it's a bleeping game? Uh -huh. And Irv at that moment is like, you, <laughs> talking to me. <laughs> that, and I just saw the video. It was on TikTok. Frank's big on TikTok. And I just saw, I was like, whoa. And if you, if you watch the video, Frank's, Frank's not exaggerating. You hear X stomping into the studio and... <sighs> Just like, like like he's about to run out through a tunnel and have a play a football game. It's crazy. So he he brought the heat on that one, and that's that's apparently what 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 the, what the track was missing. And not anymore. Uh, Frank's uh, favorite DMX song, as I just found out as well. I mean, there's plenty of those, man. Again, rest in peace to a great one. But definitely helped me out in my uh, high school basketball playing games, listening to my to my portable Walkman. We didn't have walk. We didn't have iPods or anything like that back in the day. So cassette or CD. CD. The Walkman. CD. Oh, it's all Discman. Sorry, Discman. Yeah. Yes, you're right. With the anti-skip button that didn't work. I go back to Walkman days. <laughs> Walkman. I didn't have a Walkman. I didn't have a Walkman, but I definitely was around for those days, yes. But, man, um, 
pretty pretty cool and exciting last segment with my boy from uh, the Kane Gang Show, Derek Cohen. Again, if you guys don't pay attention to that show and if you're a Kane fan listening, every Friday right here on CXM, Sirius XM Channel 145, Slime Radio at 11 p.m. through 1 p.m., the Kane Gang Show airs, and they always have good, good content, so check them out. But he was on the show last segment. We were talking some Kane's football, and um, I mean, there's a lot to unpack, especially, especially about what he said regarding you know, the quarterback room, the offense, and even, you know, the defense pretty much overall. But I'm, I, I, I really don't know what to expect from this year's team. And I say that with, with a lot of enthusiasm because there's just – there's a lot of new, okay? There's a lot of new. But the one constant that needs to stay there throughout the entire year for Miami to at least have a chance and, you know, get to Charlotte how everybody's hoping and expecting is for De'Ara King to be healthy and be that guy. So that's what I think is the the intangible, not even intangible, the thing that cannot happen. The worst thing that can happen to Miami football is D. King not be healthy enough or not be in sync enough because you have to worry the veteran that he is I get it it's great okay there's guys that it doesn't bother but there are guys that you know you still need those off-season conditioning programs and you know to be in the playbook he's not gonna be in the spring I don't know how much of summer he's gonna have and I'm pretty sure he'll probably be back for fall camp um the entirety of fall camp I don't know so apparently his his knee is progressing great, and that's good to hear. But still, you're not getting spring reps, and this is only uh, you know the second season that he's going to be having under Rhett Lashley. Okay, last year did great in the offense, but you still you know he's not perfect. He's not the perfect quarterback, and you know you still want to have as many reps as you possibly can have. The half glass, I'm sorry, the glass half full side of that argument is you know the guys behind him are getting reps just in case something happens. So. That's the thing that can absolutely – I think that's the number one thing on lists, on a list of things that can go absolutely wrong for Miami football this year. I think that, that's the number one thing is the health of Derrick King and how good or efficient he's going to look coming out of the gates against Alabama because the guy's going to start. He's going to be healthy enough to start. He's going to be the guy. There is no quarterback controversy for QB1 here at the U. But – how much is the lack of spring practice going to affect him? How much is the lack of summer practice and summer workouts? And how much of the fall is he going to miss if he misses any of the fall? Because he may be cleared by then. Who knows? This was at the time of the surgery. If I'm not mistaken, it was announced that this would be an eight-month recovery. This happened in December. We are in April. So you do the math. I'm no math major, but that'll bring us to August. We'll see how much time he misses. But... He has to be on point and have as good or a better year than he did last season, year one at the U for Miami to reach the expectations that they have in terms of winning the Coastal and getting to Charlotte, all right? That's number one. Number two, you know, you guys changed my mind a lot. And when I say you guys, I talk about the guys that I have conversations with about Kane's football all the time. I was going to say the thing that has to be there for Miami is the offensive line play. But then, you know, I kind of changed my tune of things listening to you guys, and um, I think that's more the receiver room. I think I'm going to rank the receiver room ahead of worries, quote-unquote worries, that I have going into the year because that experience on the O-line is solid, okay? It is it is 100% solid. And if you look at it, all right, I have a uh, – Robbie Espin of State of the U did a really good job of projecting Miami's offensive depth chart. Check out stateoftheu.com. Uh, one of you guys have a chance. It's the lead article right now, and he 
did a really good job projecting of who was going to start uh, at every position on the offense. So his prediction for the O-line is as follows. He has from left to right, Zahn Nelson. He has a left guard, Jalen Rivers. At center, he has Corey Gaynor, all right? At right guard, he has Navon Donaldson. And at right tackle, he has Deloney Scaife, who is happy being back at tackle, which is what he considers his most natural position. Now, guys that I didn't mention, okay, John Campbell has some experience. Um, you got, uh, I already talked about uh, Jalen Rivers. Jared Williams, who started at right tackle last year, Houston transfer, okay? Ja'Kai Clark, cannot forget him because that's a guy that can absolutely start. And remember, he's a center, guys. Yes, he'll go ahead and play, uh, you know, guard for you and everything, but he brought in as a center. So you can probably and hopefully pencil him in as a starting center next year once Corey Gaynor departs. Cleveland Reed is another guy. I mean, Miami has something called depth now all of a sudden, and it's a beautiful thing because let me tell you something. Do not sell the fact that these veterans coming back, okay, don't sell that short because I say to people all the time, and I love it because, you know, a lot of people count against it all the time. It's great to have talent, okay? I would love to be the Brooklyn Nets right now. I get it, okay? But as good as the Nets are right now, all that talent, that's not really going to win them everything if they do go all the way. Why? Because they have something called experience, okay? And they have something called chemistry. You can't say they don't have chemistry even though they only played seven games together. Look how they looked in those seven games that they played together. So you could translate that into any sport. Yes, you need talent to win, and talent is great. But I've seen so many times over and over that talent just doesn't win. You need experience. You need chemistry. And if these guys stay healthy, they'll have that chemistry. They definitely have the experience because they're coming back for their fourth, fifth, and in some cases, sixth season. So that's huge. That's huge. That's what made me kind of feel a little bit better about the offensive line. So I'm saying, okay, out of any position in football or any unit in football, that is the position that you want to have chemistry all the time. I remember the the uh, the revolving door, okay, at offensive line by choice that the Canes had when Al Golden was here. Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys know my Twitter handle, okay, or Frank jump in if you've ever seen this happen where you have a healthy offensive line and coaches just sub you in and out like if you're a running back or a receiver just because – that's not supposed to happen in football. That's the one position that you could probably, that you should just, you know, it's not even a defensive line. I can see you swapping out guys there because you have specialists getting after the quarterback. But this, this, this musical chairs of offensive linemen throughout the game, I never understood it. So if Miami gets that going, that, that'll be a thing. But um, the receiver position, man, that, I'm super excited about that. I wrote an article for stateoftheu.com a couple of weeks ago about Keyshawn Smith. And if you guys didn't uh, have a chance to check it out, please do. I got a chance to interview his high school coach, David Dunn, a couple of years ago. It was actually last year. And I never wrote about it, but I did a couple of weeks ago. So it's on stateoftheu.com if, if you check it out and want to take a look at it. But um, David Dunn, man. And remember, this would have been his second – or is going to be his second full season – on the field, but he's still going to be considered a freshman because of the COVID rule everybody had last year. You get to hold back. Um, he compares him to Santana Moss, guys, okay? And when I, when I heard that, I almost fell out of my chair because, I mean, who's Santana Moss? He's one of the greatest receivers to ever come to this program. A guy that had a very solid NFL career, you know, had that jitterbug speed, and, you know, straight out of Carroll City Senior High School right here in Miami, out of a run-based offense in high school, he was making noise as a receiver, Okay. I remember that running system that they had over at Carroll City, and you couldn't stop it. 
but then you have this little 5'9", 5'10", guy uh, looking like an All-American receiver out of a run-based offense. It's crazy, all right? And so um, I'm really happy about the receiver room because a lot like the wide rec- – I'm sorry, like, like the running back room, there's some names there. Mike Harley, we saw him turn around last year. That guy, you hope that it's going to continue. And I have confidence in him because he seems to be a leader. And you know what? I called him a leader two seasons ago when Miami was having you – know, what was it? Was it Manny's first season? Yeah, Manny's first season. Um, you know, they go to Pittsburgh, and they're not playing well, and they have this pregame speech in Miami – I'm sorry, not Miami. Uh, Mike Harley takes the lead, and he calls out guys. Um, calls out guys that should have been leaders that weren't being leaders. And one can only assume that he was talking about the quarterback at the time, Jaron Williams, and, you know, guys like Jeff Thomas and such on, so on and so forth. But, you know, he called, he name-called in that meeting. And then after that, Miami goes on a three-game winning streak, you know. Last year, the receiver room was called out. He turns it around and has one of the better careers, you know, in Miami history for a single season and the best in his career. So he'll be uh, trusted upon. Keyshawn Smith talk, spoke about him. X, you heard Derek talk about him in the last seven. That's that's just a guy that you're going to be able to fit in at any time of the game, and you know he's going to get the job done. Really, really smart player. I'm really excited about him. We've all heard about the, the uh, Braxton Barrios comparisons. Runs routes really, really, really well. The guy doesn't drop anything, and he's just very smart. Give me a smart football player over a lot of other things as well. I'll take smartness. Charleston Rambo, the Oklahoma transfer, who two seasons ago was tearing it up when Jalen Hurts was slinging him the rock, okay? Um, Michael Redding, a guy that wins one-on-one battles like he was born to do that, okay? Those 50-50 balls in the air that our receivers wouldn't fight for last year, Michael Redding is going to come down with them, all right? Uh, Dante Johnson is a guy that I want to pay attention to because in the spring game, he had some moments and so he's a trench. Came from last chance you guys, okay, a, a product of uh, Covington, Georgia, Newton High School, 6'2", big body receiver, number 88. Keep your eyes on him. And um, this is the year, all right, ask Marsh Thomas about this, a guy that I've done shows with all the time. Me and him have always been enamored with, uh, with uh, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank, <laughs> with Will Mallory, okay, at number 85, number one tight end going to be this year. And when people brought it to my attention his freshman year along with uh, Brevin Jordan saying that Will Mallory can be, you know, a better tight end than, than, than Jordan, he has a higher ceiling. I was thinking, like, wow, you really have a lot of expectations for the guy. But Will Mallory is a bigger tight end, okay? He might even be faster than Brevin Jordan because no slide on Brevin. Even Brevin says it. There are times he was upset at himself getting caught from behind, um, you know, and not able to break away from defenses a couple times throughout his career. But 6'5", 245 is Will Mallory. And this is my favorite nugget about Will Mallory. And if you guys have been paying attention to the show over the, uh, the months and even going back to when I did Hurricane Warning back on campus – you know that this is my favorite nugget about Will Mallory. So as a senior in high school, okay, mind you, he wasn't 245 pounds back then, but he was probably still 6'5", or at least 6'4". Uh, I know he weighed about maybe 220 back then. Guy went to school in Jacksonville, Florida, okay, ran track. What event did he run? The hurdles, probably the hardest event in, in, in track and field. He didn't run the 400 hurdles. He ran the, the 110 hurdles, but still, okay, you're sprinting. For 110 yards, jumping over objects 10 different times. I believe it's 10 hurdles out there on the track. And he came in third in the state meet, okay? The state meet, not the county meet, not a local meet, not a di- the state meet, not a district meet. No, 
a state, and he came in third in the 110 meter hurdles. I don't have his time, but that's God, that's that, that, that that's that's impressive as hell. 220 pounds ish, six five, and you're moving like that. I'm sorry, but that's that's just I can't even picture it. Okay, like what the hell are you doing out here, running the hurdles? All right, there are athletes that are probably more athletic than Will. They can't do that. That's tough. Okay, the guy has balance. He's had a couple cases where he's dropped some some passes, but listen, um, overall tight end, overall overall complete package that tight end can block can run and uh, you've seen him run away from defenses you've seen him catch passes you've seen him block I can't wait for him he's probably my favorite offensive player on the team okay and um coached up by my favorite coach on the team in Stephen Field so um I'm gonna go ahead and take a break because I am going to switch gears and I did this on purpose uh but I wanted to keep this towards the end of the show talked about basketball basketball in the beginning you guys, if you guys missed the first two segments that I was talking about, you know, Steph Curry and the I told you so in the season that he's having. OK, because I did tell you so. And I, like I said, like I said, don't make me pull the don't make me pull the audio and pull the proof, the receipts. I got receipts. Frank knows it. He's been hearing it all year long that I called this guy having an MVP like season before the season started. And weeks ago when nobody was paying attention to him and everybody was paying attention to James Harden. OK. I was saying this guy's playing like an MVP. He and Chris Paul. He's finally getting the love because of this 10-game streak. But we're going to go back to talking basketball. And what do Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and even Shaquille O'Neal, what do those guys have in common? Hmm. We'll talk about that next on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm going to step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed the drug test, didn't he? And he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door. Which is, he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're going to knock on his door? or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank, oh, Please, oh yeah. Out. Oh, I, 
that, that, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, rico. you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Stelio Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said, Mr. Worldwide, putting it down right now with the legendary, the one, the only, it's official, Slam Radio. If you think it's a game, play with it. Dolly. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Frank is doing a phenomenal job with bringing the old school R&B tunes. I'm an old school R&B head, R&B head period. And don't put Frank in a box either. I'm sure that he has good taste in music in that regard as well. But can you imagine a party that Michael's, M Michael Jackson, Luther Vandross, whose birthday was yesterday, uh, DMX, Pac, all of these people. Can you imagine the party that they're having right now in heaven? Just absolutely jamming, man. Absolutely, Jamie. Thank you for the tunes, Frank. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And um, we are back, and I wanted to leave this segment for later on in the show because it's a really, really fun one. Frank's going to join in and pop his head in here and talk about it. And Larry Million, the amigo who's on from 7 to 11, is going to join in because he has a lot to say about the hard one as well, and he can absolutely contribute to this conversation. So... I was just in my hypothetical world, and I was just thinking, like, wow, okay. And I started thinking about guys that played in multiple teams that you can say, no, he was in his prime here. No, he was in his prime here. So, Frank, Larry, I will ask you this, and I will tell you, and please feel free to cut me off at any point. This is a total open table type thing. Who would you rather have? First, three-peat MJ. Second, three-peat MJ. Number eight, Kobe. Number 24, Kobe. Orlando Magic, Shaq. LA Lakers, Shaq. Or LeBron. You know, Cavs, first stint, Heat, second stint, Cavs, LeBron, or even Lakers, LeBron. Like, wow. Because at different parts of their careers, they were different players, especially Mike. You saw the athleticism kind of leave him in the second part, in his second stint as a Chicago Bulls uh, 
member, and he became more of a back-to-the-basket guy. He definitely uses uh, his brains more on their way to a second three-peat. And then, you know, same thing with LeBron. That happened a lot too, all right? You see him right now, his athleticism. I don't want to say it's leaving him, but he more uses it when he has to. And so um, Shaq, you know, where was he more dominant? In L.A.? Uh, he's definitely more athletic in a, that pinstripe uniform with the Orlando Magic. I love that uniform. But Larry, man, who, who, how would you have it when it comes to Mike? I, Frank, I don't know how you feel about this. I'm, I'm going to be just as candid as I can be. That means I'm going to get upset oh about God. whatever you're going to say. Oh, God. I, uh, I, asked it. I asked for this I one. Like, I like the first three-peat MJ much, okay. much better than the second three-peat. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with Second that. Second three-peat MJ was a, was a snarky jackass. Uh, I love him, though. Well, I like, help. <laughs> I like the second three-peat because of that, because he was pissed off. Yeah. That's the why I like yeah, the second three-peat. But you don't like LeBron because he has to recruit people and kind of sort of Jordan did a little recruiting in that How? second. Step. Oh, I don't know. That's Ron Harper. Ron anyway. Harper was not even Ron Harper when he came with no, Chicago. No, Ron Harper had just finished averaging 22 points a game. Then he became a bull. Then he all of a sudden became not Ron Harper because there's only so many basketballs on the court that can be touched right. at once. Right. And when Michael Jordan is in that mix, Ron Harper is never averaging 22 points again. But he averaged for the Mavericks 22 points a game prior to becoming a bull. So he wasn't past his prime. Past his prime became past his prime when he gave it up to be a Jordan bull. He wasn't even going to average near that because he knew he was going in as a third option. He knew what his role was. He averaged less than 10 points a game. Yeah, yeah. He averaged less than 10 points a game, and like I said, he knew he was coming in as a third option. Phil Jackson always said that he loved having big guards for defensive purposes, and that's the main reason, or one of the main reasons that Ron Harper came on as a bull. But you like first three-peat Mike. What about you, Frank? I like first three-peat Michael. I do like messing with him. I like the fact that he was pissed off, and that's what kind of drove his fuel yes. into becoming who he was. But the first three-peat was the more my favorite because the first – I've always believed that he won the first ring because – he finally discovered who he was. Uh -huh. The second ring was won because he was able to develop Scottie Pippen to who he wanted, and Got he it. finally had his Robin. The third uh, championship in that first three-peat was won because he got Horace Grant on board. Yep. So he was able to develop those yep. teammates along. That's why I like that one more than the second Okay, one. okay. I, I'm a fan of the second one because he was – as great as the Bulls were, a lot of people were counting them out towards the end there. They thought that the Pacers were going to derail them at, at certain points because the Pacers, I believe, that Eastern Conference final series went to seven games. The Jazz, I can argue, I can make a good argument that if that Jazz series goes seven games, the Bulls probably don't. That was scary. No, was Jordan scary. never lost the game seven. And here's this. The reason why I mean, everyone, he never lost a game seven because he never played in a game exactly. seven. So the reason, the reason <laughs> why, you. the reason why everyone started counting him out the second run is it's because the same thing that happens every single time: jealous ones, envy. Whatever they don't have, they want. And the fact that Jordan kept on winning, yep. they didn't want him up there anymore. Yep. Yo, you don't have to go very far. Hey, Larry, why do people hate your team? <laughs> You're talking about the Yankees again? Yeah, yeah. Why do they hate the Yankees? I don't know. You seem to be obsessed with yeah, that because, hatred. It's because they're always up there. So yeah. people are tired of seeing well, them on the top I of the mound. They want to knock them down. Do you, uh, during a week of mathematical equations oh, where you're becoming obsessed with mathematical equations, I have one without any parentheses, without any exponents, without any multiplication or division, mm -hmm. all right? is 27 is greater than everybody else in baseball. Nobody can come close to 27 rings. <laughs> and whether you like it or not, well, it's because I'm talking about the Bronx. Or the, re the mere fact that they're just simply the most successful sporting, professional sporting franchise ever. Um, yeah, we're hated because we win. You're good. See, that proves my point. <laughs>
I think that was just trying to get to. That's I think it. that was trying to I get to. I got, you got it, it out of him. him. All of that. It. Thank you, man. Well played. Well played. Well played, Frank. Boom. Got him. Let's move on to Shaq. Let's move on to Shaq because two completely different Shaquille O'Neal's. And if you want to throw the Miami Shaq into the mix because he did win a title here, then we could do that. But um, I think Shaq, you think you remember Shaq, you think of him more as a Laker than anywhere else. He has a statue in front of that building for crying out loud. But he was drafted, obviously, in the 1992 draft, if I'm not mistaken, by the Magic. Dude had, dude was cut. If you guys remember Shaq as a Laker, he wasn't cut. This guy, this Shaq was cut. He saw his shoulder definition. You saw biceps. You saw Shaq bring the ball up the floor, run past people, dunk on people. He was an athlete, okay? Which Shaq, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you two different questions. Which one was more scary, and which one would you rather have on your team? Because either way, he's the most dominant player, to physically dominant player to play in the NBA, Frank. Does that mean I'm going first? Yes. Yeah, this time you are. Good, good. Because I want the Shaq that's scary and the Shaq that's bringing down baskets. And the only Shaq that brought down baskets was the Orlando Magic Shaq. Okay, okay. Well, I like I like the Shaq that won when he went to the finals, not got swept when he went to the finals. So mm. I'll go with Laker Shaq. I know that Kobe had something to do with that. But at the end of the day, he was so dominant as yep. a Laker right. that I understand the novelty behind who he was as an Orlando Magic player. But remember... They didn't win diddly squat. Mm-hmm. No, they Went to the Lakers and they didn't win. Not two. They won three. three. But that's not fair because sure it is. that's not fair because the Shaq you're against... talking about was rich. The Shaq I'm talking about only had a penny. Okay, that was good. Give yourself <laughs> a whistle for that. <laughs> I got. However, I will then come and beat you with your own words and say, "Well, but he won, right? But he only had a penny. But he won, right? Hey, he had to go against Mike." He had to go against Mike, mind and you. And he had to go against Mike, yeah. He had, he had to go against Mike. When Mike came back, they did lose to the Magic in, I believe, six games. You know, it was a season that Mike came back in the middle of the year. His first game was at Indy. Then he, second game, I remember clearly, goes to the guard and drops a double nickel on the Knicks. I'm sure Larry remembers that one. Thanks. And then they lose, I think, in the second round to the Magic. But then the second time, I'm sorry, the very next year was championship one of three-peat number two for the Bulls, and that's where they couldn't get past Mike. But uh, I think that Akeem Olajuwon should write a nice thank you note to Mike because he absolutely owes him a thank you for dropping out of the league for those two seasons because the Bulls could have very well won eight in a row, okay? They could have very well won eight in a row. I'm not saying they would have, but they definitely could have coming out of the Eastern Conference. So I think I'm going to go with L.A. Lakers, Shaq, only because he was just – that's when I think he was most unstoppable, man. I love Magic Shaq. And, yes, he was bringing down rims and, you know, all of that. But something about that L.A. And it actually has nothing to do with Kobe. I just think he became more of a more of a figure. You think Kazam and, you know, the rapper Shaq and all of that stuff. Well, and that I like the attitude that he had. That was a tiebreaker. Though. I was going to say, like, if you want to talk about Shaq the person, not the player, mm-hmm. well, then you do have a, a, a real conglomeration of, of who Shaq really is, which is a little bit of everything. But he's the Hooper, the Hyper, protected by Viper <laughs> when he did the Fushnikins. Can we rock What's Up Doc? I will honestly tell you that as a person, I loved Orlando Magic Shaq better. Okay. But as a player, I, I like the rings. Yes, yeah, I like the rings. Let's talk about LeBron, a more recent example. He had two stints with the Cavs, okay? I'm going to tell you up front right now. I'm going to go first on this one. My favorite LeBron was first stint Cavs LeBron Ew. because I'm going to tell you why. Because I think that... That's probably the most physically athletic and physically talented LeBron we've seen in terms of the league here. And Heat fans are going to get mad because, oh, but he was you know, at his prime with Dwayne. I get it. Okay, fine. But he had Dwayne Wade. So things were 
obviously a lot easier for LeBron to do what he did. He had arguably the best uh, power forward playing with him along Chris Bosh. I'm sorry, with Chris with Chris Bosh. And remember this about Chris Bosh. This is the Chris Bosh that would absolutely dog uh, prime Dwight Howard, defensive player of the year Dwight Howard. He would absolutely dog him when they would play against each other. Had Dwight, who was uh, maybe the second best sh uh, shooting guard in the league at the time. So things definitely were easier for LeBron. Let me tell you why I like first stint Cavs LeBron. The game that sticks out to me the most about him was when he just scored, what was it, like 25 points in a row against the, the Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals, en route to getting swept by the Cavs. I'm sorry, the Spurs, I get it. But that LeBron took games over. It was a different LeBron. It was a different mentality LeBron. And I think that Miami kind of changed him, even though Dwayne Wade gave him the keys to the Beamer and said, you need to be the guy to take us to the, you know, over the top. It was a different LeBron. And it, I don't know, his mentality changed. Maybe it's a Miami thing. I have no idea. That's probably what's happening to Tyler Hero right now. The celebrity's getting to him. <laughs> That's a different conversation for a different day. But I love that LeBron because he, he, he took games over, and we saw it more than once. There's a clip that he hit 13 points in a row and I think it was like five three-pointers when he was playing – not five three-pointers, but uh, at least three. He was playing the Bucks, and he would just take games over for stretches that you haven't really even seen him do anymore. So that's my favorite, and I get it. We've seen him win championships here with Miami and then with the Cavs and now with the Lakers, but that's my answer. Larry? This is very simple. You went long-winded. His first stint with Cleveland, he didn't win who got. He didn't win anything. I know he had Mo Williams and whatever, and it was a shell of what anything. Mm -hmm. He also had a big old yellow streak running bottom on his back from, from the back of his of his fade all the way down to the crack of his derriere. <laughs> this guy had a yellow streak because he couldn't have been more yellow than anybody ever could see. He was a coward on the court. He became a man at 601 Biscayne Boulevard, oh, sir. Oh, God. He won two of his three, well, I'm sorry, four titles. And he's won with three different teams. Right. And he's only won two with one. Right. So right now, today, the LeBron I like because of the rings and the fact that his efficiency ratings, three of his four highest efficiency ratings in his career happened while playing basketball at 601 Biscayne. There is no doubt about it that the only installment of LeBron I can survive is the one that he wore number six and he played for the Miami. Because he won? That's... That you're, that's what you're he thinking. won. He was the most efficient. Okay. He was at the prime of his career. Okay. He was the best LeBron ever could be. And during those four years, I challenge that not so much statistically, but as a player, I'm not sure that your boy was ever as good as he was during those four years. He was a complete basketball player on every stretch, at every stretch. I from disagree with the complete basketball part. He probably the beat, not not the whole four years the because numbers. when he came in, he wasn't as good at the jumper jump shooter as when he left. Well, that's why they didn't win that first year, but then, you know, they started competing. But, but again, look at the numbers. Don't, don't. I get it. But he was playing with numbers. two Hall of Famers, too. And he didn't play with two Hall of Famers when he played with Cleveland or he plays with the Lakers? Not the first one. No? Really? With Cleveland? The first Cleveland stint? So Kyrie's not a Hall of Famer, huh? That wasn't, he wasn't playing with Kyrie. The first stint he played with no Hall of Famers. With no Hall of Famers, And yeah. he netted him no rings. Right. Okay, so let's talk but about I'm just the saying that netted him rings. The, 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 the on-court product, man. It doesn't result in rings, and I. But again, this is where you and me differentiate. Dwight when Howard, it comes. Orlando team. Like, are we serious? Like the guy, he left Cleveland because he couldn't even make it out of the damn conference semifinals. Are this is where serious? we differentiate when it comes to sports. I don't think rings make everything. You do, I do, kind of, sort of. I. That's where we meet. You and I kind of look at things different. But listen, 
I, it's hard to argue what he did here in Miami was iconic and two rings, and you could argue that he could have won three in a row, whatever. But I'm not going to get mad at that because Miami, LeBron was, was great, Frank. All right, so uh, there he's already going to start rolling his eyes because uh, he knows how me and LeBron in the same sentence happened. So <laughs> I don't know if I can pick any favorite LeBron. I guess <laughs> I can pick, like LeBron. I'll pick the LeBron before he started lying and before he gave the biggest lie of NBA history, and this is what I'm talking about. Some of your moves. Uh, it, it's great. I mean, um, anytime you – this is the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. And, you know, and I grew up idolizing Michael Jordan. And to see him come here and support D-Wade, support, our, support me, and, and I mean, it's humbling. It's humbling that the greatest basketball player would take time out of his day to come watch us play. So, um, you know, I think I've been thinking about it lately, and what I'm going to do, I think I'm going to change my number next year. Um, I think no guy in the NBA should ever, should, ever have, should ever wear 23. So why did he wear the number six when he came to Miami and then went back to 23? Is it because he was really honoring the GOAT, like he says, the late great, the, the, the great Michael Jordan? Or is it because the number 23 is retired in the rafters of 601 Biscayne Boulevard, which makes LeBron the biggest liar in the history of this world? And because of that, I can't pick any LeBron. Oh, 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 Say with your chest, Frank. Oh, oh, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. You could drop the mic. You could walk off. You answered the question. You answered the question. Damn. Any rebuttal there? No, no, that's my preference. I don't. I so dare you. For the record, I don't like LeBron. I dare you. The only LeBron I can like, I just did it politically. I hear you. Correct, I hear you. Is the Miami Heat LeBron because everybody else upsets me with LeBron. I poke at him and I. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron wishes he was Jordan. Come on. He wishes he was oh Jordan. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, God. the only thing Jordan has to take advice from LeBron on in basketball is two things. How to win a game seven and what it feels like to lose a game seven. Because neither one of those things are anything Jordan knows about. Nothing. 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 At least in the NBA Finals. I don't know about any other. Well, yeah, he in the finals, you mean. In the finals. Because he's definitely faced game seven before in his career. But... Let's talk about Kobe now. Same question, man. But he didn't play for two different teams, but it definitely was two different Kobe's. You had Kobe that three-peated with Shaq, won number eight. And then you got number 24 Kobe, okay, that won back-to-back without Shaq, all right? Back-to-back without Shaq. I didn't mean to make that rhyme. But, I Frank, I'm sorry, Larry, man. Go ahead. 24. Why? <laughs> Come on, man. Why? No, seriously. Because the world thought that the only reason he could win – the only reason copycat Jordan could win is because he had Shaq. Larry just said it. And then he took everybody and said, yeah, all right, yeah. I got this yeah. mama mentality for your ass, and I'm going to show you that I don't need you, I don't need yeah. you, I don't need you, yeah. I don't need you, I'll do this on my terms. And yeah. th didn't that number eight project fail? Because remember, he had the mailman come by, he had the glove come oh by, tried God. to build a giant super team, and they flat, fell worked. flat on their face. Against a Detroit Pistons team that, quote-unquote, didn't have a superstar, was probably one of the best defensive teams that anybody's ever seen in the NBA, and they lost in five games. Shaq at the five, Carmelona at the four, at the three was probably what? Horry, doesn't matter. And then you had Kobe and Gary Payton and with Derek Fisher coming off the bench. Four Hall of Famers in your starting five, and you're losing five games to a Pistons team that didn't have anybody averaging over like 25 points. So um, you're going with him? You're going with him? Well, he took right? my answer. Yeah. Like, that's exactly how I was going to answer. That's why I jumped. I knew I was next, but I didn't want him jumping <laughs> over. <laughs> Now, listen, I'm going with number 24, Kobe, for the same reasons as you, but also because 
it was a kind of like Mike. He evolved, and this happens with great players. You see, and it kind of happened. Not kind of. It did happen with Dwayne Wade, Mike, Kobe, LeBron. I'm sorry, Mike, Kobe. Well, yes, LeBron too, but LeBron is still playing. But Mike. Kobe and Dwayne Wade came in more as athletes than anything. And I'm not calling them athletes only, non-basketball players. I'm saying they were more athletic than a complete basketball player. They didn't have that great of a jump shot. All three of them got uh, jump shots as they, you know, as their, as their careers progressed. And you saw the athleticism leave them, and then they kind of became – you know, back to the basket, in the elbow, more taking advantage of angles and things like that. They were always supreme defensive players. But I, I, I like that, seeing a guy being able to change his game because this is what I'm known for, but this is what I'm going to be known for now. And they're still winning. You can't stop it. One of the most unguardable moves in the NBA ever is Kareem's hook shot, Jordan's fadeaway. Okay? And he perfected that. And Kobe, you saw, we've all seen that YouTube clip of him and Mike side by side. Kobe is like a, literally a mirror image and the closest thing we've seen to Mike since Mike. And I, that 24, man. So what Kobe, what Kobe perfected and he mastered it, and I don't think anybody's been able to do it since, Kobe found out how to be able to release a shot without setting so the defender can't catch up to mm. him. You told and me that one. That was, tell the story. I don't think McCoy knows this. Go ahead, go ahead. So... It takes time for catching the ball, set it up in front of you, to then start jumping. By the time you do all that motion, the defender's already with the hand in your face. Right. So Kobe mastered how to catch the ball on, the, on his hip, and as he's going up for the shot, bring the ball up with him instead of doing that extra step, which oh, gave him that degree oh, of separation okay, okay. against the defenders, and he was open most of the time. I'm picturing it, and he would do that all the and time. And his jump shot didn't have to change. The fundamentals of his body didn't have to change when he was taking a shot like that because he's going up the same motion. He's just making the turn in the air. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't hear. I never heard about that. But, but if you notice his jumper, it is. Like I'm picturing it. Yeah. And it, he absolutely would bring it from his hip and come up all in one motion. So I'm picturing it. And it's 100% true. So, wow. Wow. But, yeah, man, I thought that was pretty fun. And there's probably a whole bunch of other guys you can do that with. But I thought about, you know, the giants of the game. And one of them is still playing. Go ahead, Larry. Oh, I thought you were gonna. Did you guys know that Vanessa Bryant is, ter well, not terminating, but she's deciding not to continue um, – Kobe's contract with Nike. His last shoe with Nike is going to be released later on in this year. So isn't it getting renewed and they're taking other offers? Or she decided there's no Nike yet? They're pulling the plug. The contract finished on the 13th of this month. So that's it. She's not even going to open up for renewal on well, that. Not, maybe not, not with Nike, but she says she's open to, you know, other whatever, uh, you know, name brands or whatever. So she's still into the shoe thing. But I don't know why you would pull from Nike. Isn't that crazy? That's like so. I'm gonna get bold. Maybe your listeners aren't gonna like what I have to say. But do it. I run the station. I think do I it. Say things like this <laughs> um, I I have not been incredibly impressed with how Vanessa Bryant has conducted some of the things that she's conducted in okay. the aftermath of the death of her husband. Now I can't judge her, right? Because I've never been a widower, right? And I know that there's an amazing amount of grief and things that I could never begin to yeah. imagine right. that go into that. But I have experienced the death of my family, mm -hmm. and through an accident. Mm -hmm. My father-in-law was struck and killed by a car. And I know that the last thing on our mind was a lot of the things that have been on Vanessa Bryant's right. mind. Uh, and we don't have two nickels to rub together, and Vanessa does. Right. Um, if the motivating factors are to make a point, then you make the point. Mm -hmm. The motivating factors are financial, then they're financial. Can't seem to get my hands around mm -hmm. some of the reasons, like why are you suing the helicopter company, um, there's been other decisions mm. to sue her situation with her you. own mother is a little awkward to say the least. Yeah. 
uh, and it peels back the curtain that maybe mom's a little kooky, but that maybe there's something kooky there in general mm. that doesn't make sense. I don't want to judge people's private lives, and she's in a, she's in a world of caca because yeah. her husband has perished, and she's got to deal with that stuff on her own. That's not easy. Um, but this, like, come on, man, let him like let his name live in Nike forever. What's the problem? I didn't understand it at all. It was weird, and I I read the article yesterday, and I'm just thinking, and it's like it didn't make sense to me. Only she knows the details. Only she knows why. But she did release a statement. I don't have it in front of me. I should have. But I just wanted to bring that up. Obviously, we're talking about Kobe, and no more. He has one more signature shoe that is due to be released this year with Nike. And I guess it was already under terms in the contract before the 13th when the contract expired, but it will be released later on this year. I have no idea what it looks like. Zion Williamson. Um, Don't wear it because the shoe will go through it. His foot will go through the shoe probably. Have you seen it? It's crazy. I don't like it. It has a Z like on the side of it or whatever. Like you can kind of see it. I don't like how it looks at all. The thing, the thing with the Kobe shoe and the whole Vanessa Bryant thing that's going to bother me a little bit and I'm going to jump to the assumption and hope that this isn't it, but if she, I think the Kobe name should, the legacy of the Kobe name should live out with Nike for the rest yeah, of time. Yeah. Um, but if she's pulling out of Nike and then goes around the corner and tries to f sign another contract and it has a different dollar amount that benefits her, then I'm going to find it a little sad because she's just trying to just bank off her husband's mm -hmm. name even more than what it was already done. And I don't think she's, in I, a don't think she's I think not. she's in a good position. Like, I'm not going to judge or anything, but it seems like she's in a good position. It seems like her husband left her and her and his daughters yeah. in a good position. <laughs> so I don't think she needs to go out of her way to go and try to find that yeah. next big deal. Yeah. So that's what I would be bothered by. That's why I'm going to assume since we're having the conversation yeah, yeah. and hope she doesn't go that route. Yeah, I don't. It sounded like the door was she was open to the opportunity, but maybe she was just playing the political game. I don't know, being political. I don't know. But, you know, I have been thinking about, you know, before he went to Nike, because he was with Adidas for like seven or eight years before he switched over to Nike. And I don't know, maybe she wants to kind of seal the deal and end things how they started. I was thinking about that. Maybe go back to Adidas. I have no idea. But I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and tell you that I like the Nike version of Kobe's more than I like any of the Adidas Kobe's because of the simple fact that I tore my left ACL wearing a pair of Kobe's when he was with Adidas. So I may be biased on that, but remember that 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 car inspired shoe that he had, Frank, the one that looked more like a that's the one I tore my ACL in. Jeez. And so the crazy eights, those are those are classics. Look, overall, the Nike brand is a juggernaut. Of course. And there's and and we have a very close friend, Q. Q has the most Jordans I've ever seen in my entire oh, life man. from anybody that I've met in my entire life. And the Miami Hurricanes is an Adidas school. Mm -hmm. You will not catch him wearing any Adidas brand. As big as a Hurricane fan as he is, really? you will not catch him wearing Adidas brand. Wow. If I, I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. He had the tattoo done not too long ago, and he had the, the tattoo artist put a Nike check on it. He goes, oh, oh you don't want an Adidas check? He goes, oh, I don't want that garbage on my tattoo. So wow. he is not a fan of Adidas. So with me saying that, the Kobe Bryant move to Adidas, let's say that's what the deal is going to be, isn't necessarily a positive one because there's not, mm -hmm. she's not just going to be able to just change people's minds. Oh, come to Adidas now. Because it's Kobe. Just because right, it's Kobe right, right. and her husband passed away. That's true. I mean, look, man, Kobe has a huge – LeBron James said it himself. He's like, I thought I was famous in China until I came with Kobe. So, I mean, is that is that really – you sure about that? And I'm only – look, I'm just trying to gauge your, you know, what, you're, what you're thinking, but – there's a lot of people that will f that will follow him. I think, I think. You have some. I don't think. I don't think the 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 crowd or the or the 
the amount of people fair. that she wants is going to do it. Because at the end of the day, you put a, a Nike shoe next to an Adidas shoe, of and course. the Nike shoe, 9 out of 10 people are still going to go towards the Nike shoe over the Adidas shoe. Did you know that one of the reasons why this uprising and that we've seen in Adidas the past couple of years is has been because they have, I think it's been like three or four shoe engineers f come from Nike. Come from Nike, and that's why, whatever. But your comment about, you know, the Canes and them being in an Adidas school now, I thought, I looked at Adidas, and I, was, I always said Adidas was like a bad word because I would never wear it. But I bleed orange and green. So the transition for me was easy. I'll still wear Nike. I love Nike, but I will not wear anything that has a Nike logo with the UN because they're not associated with the school anymore. I now have more Adidas than I've ever had in my, in my entire life. Adidas gear, you know, because it's orange and green. So I get that, but um, that guy, your boy Q, wearing, refusing to wear Adidas stuff and Nike stuff, that's just, kind of, that's, just that's, that's crazy. That's, he's just that's been just, all, all Nike all the time, and he just doesn't see the, 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 the quality of the product of, uh, of Adidas to the standard that Nike holds. Larry, you ever had any Kobe, sh any, any Kobe shoes? Nope, never have. Frank? I have not. You have not? No, I have a couple J's now that I'm an adult because I have adult money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, that didn't exist. My mom would look at me and be like, I'm all payless. Those two those <laughs> make you do the same thing. They look just like Kobe's. They look, they look like just like Jordan's. Where are those? No, I get it. But yeah, I found that interesting, man. And, you know, again, the only reason it came up was because we were talking about Kobe and this happened. I read the story yesterday. So we'll see where her motive is. Maybe she does one of those swan song type of deals and she just, for emotional purposes, signs that one-day contract like players do with teams because maybe it was always his thing to go back to Adidas because, I don't know, the beginning. Who knows? But... Um, oh, shoot, it's 150. We might as well stick around here, Frank. Huh? Hey, it's too late. You're way late. Yeah, no, it's way late. We might as well stick around here. Um, Are we breaking format here? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, Mr. Station Manager. <laughs> Let's guy. call Amanda Marie here. Let her know as a no, program no, no. director. I don't know we're what breaking you're talking the rules. about. This is a commercial. You're listening to the Good Morning Amigo show. <laughs> no, you're not. This is Michael McCoy's show. It's a promo. It's a promo. This is the promo. Mondays through Fridays, 7 to 11. You know what? Fr not Frank. I'm sorry. Since you're here and we were we opened a segment talking about hoops, let's close about this because I opened the show with this. Okay? And it was this big I told you to I told you so to my listeners because like Frank knows, I have the audio to prove it. I have receipts to prove it. Before the season started, I said, watch Steph have an MVP-like season. But you he did. won't win it. You did. But watch I Steph. I remember. You did. But watch Steph not win it because they're probably going to sniff, hover around that 7-8 seed because Clay's not there. People now want to pay attention to Steph because he's on a 10-game tear. And I say, I, I hate that now you want to when you I've been saying I told you so. You did say it, man. Okay? You did say right? it. Hand raised. I got your back. You did Thank say you. it. Thank I will you. say this, however. Tell me. Your boy's been saying it all week on his show. Good. And I don't understand how anyone would vote for anyone else in the NBA for MVP but Steph Curry because of what he's doing. You want to know what made me upset but kind of made sense? I was listening to Tim Legler yesterday on NBA radio, and he was like, well, Steph is playing great. Well, it wasn't Steph. I'm sorry. No, it wasn't Tim Legler because he has his back. It was – It was. I can't even remember their I, – I know they're – I'm seeing their faces, but I can't remember their names. They were saying that, no, I really don't agree with the Steph being MVP because a lot of guys are hurt right now. James Harden's hurt, and if he wasn't hurt, he'd probably still be the leader. How do you feel about that? I don't. When you talk about Harden, you lose me. 
Really? Even Brooklyn Harden is a different Harden. Frank, you lose me. No. You can have him. Yeah, he doesn't play defense. Larry doesn't like that. Well, the the Nets in total don't play defense. He's all yours. Wow. He's all yours. I never want him. Never. But he's a different player now. I never. I'm sorry, Larry. I never. Well, when he plays, because most of the time he's on the bench. So you're right. He is a different player. (laughs) How do you feel about my number two uh, MVP in the race is Chris Paul? Because. don't. Because Chris Paul's over the hill, and while he's diming great, and he's, his turnover, his uh, assist to turnover ratio is off the hinges. See, Frank, I do keep up with sports. I know you don't think so based on our show. Really? Who did he pass this week in the assist uh, charts? He was, I guess he went fifth, and he passed Magic Johnson. Yeah, look at you. You got it. <laughs> we don't talk about it, but I know it. And what's funny is Frank knows how busy my life is. He's got to be astonished. And I haven't, I haven't brought this up on our show all week. Really? Honestly, just to see, keep something in my pocket. The fact that he brought it up, I'm like, oh, let me see if he knows. I think wow. it Monday night, actually. Oh, yeah. I, he's my number two because, look, I know the Suns were undefeated in the bubble last year, and they looked great. But did anybody have them as number two in the West this year? I think that has Chris Paul's name written all over it. No. No? no. You to give Joel Embiid? I think Paul has more of an effect you on Phoenix. you about Nikola Jokic? I think Chris Paul has more of an effect on his team than both of those guys do on Oh, this. you're just being a I'm contrarian. serious. I'm serious. No. Because what, what, did, what did Devin Booker need? He needed a guy to take the pressure off of him, a guy to put him in spots to make it easier to score. And the best point guard, the best pure point guard in the NBA still is Chris Paul, and he's doing that. That's how I feel. But do his stats actually live up to the conversation of he should be the MVP, or is it an entire team thing? That's my thing. It's they, they were they were undefeated in the bubble without Chris Paul. Right. Chris Paul comes in, and now they're second in the West. So right. how much of a Chris Paul thing is it? I think it's a big Chris Paul thing, man. I really do, because, again, my thing isn't always with the stats or the championships, but how would they look without Chris Paul? How would Embiid, I'm sorry, how would the Sixers look without Embiid? Different. How would this, the Nuggets look without Jokic? Different. But I don't think these guys are number two in the, the toughest conference in the league without Chris Paul. I, just my opinion, and I've been wrong. There's merit to what you're saying. They, they have improved, and he has been a catalyst in that. But I can't, it's, it's a year with four or five candidates. And I'm going to yeah. bring up Steph, but I can't ignore Embiid. I can't no, ignore you cannot Jokic. I can't ignore the guys that have been playing off the hinges this year. He's one of them. Steph, on, in Monday's game, when they played at Philly, and I'm going to pull that game up right now, scored 49 points. And in that same game where he scored 49 points and was a free throw away from hitting 50, which really upset him. I know. Joel Embiid, quietly, with, and I'm exaggerating here, had 28 points on 8 of 21 shooting, 11 of 20, uh, 11 of 14 free throws. He had a solid game. And, you know, it's kind of like going on stage and singing after Michael Jackson. If you're <laughs> – even if you're Janet Jackson and you have a great concert, I mean, you when you hit uh, – what did Steph hit? He hit only three of seven from three. But still, 49 – no, that was Seth Curry. I'm sorry. Where are the stats for Steph? Oh, he was all over the place. He was he, 49 – Shooting him from every logo on the 10 court. of 17. Okay, so, I mean, it's hard, but, yes, look, Embiid, definitely, man. I, I love Embiid, and, again, we have this back and forth. I think part of it has to do with him being more closer to the basket, and Larry likes him shooting threes. No, I don't like him shooting threes. I don't mind him shooting You don't mind him. Thank you. And here's okay, the thing with Embiid go. is I never liked Embiid. I now like Embiid. Two reasons. One, that damn shot that Kawhi Leonard hit on him. 
<laughs> that that doesn't define you. I mean, no. that, that, that molds you, but that doesn't define you. And I believe defense. he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. And he's evolved as a player in the last two years oh, yeah. since that experience. Oh, and yeah. That's beautiful. I told Frank I would root for the Sixers over the Brooklyn Nets. Think wow. about that for a minute. Wow. The Brooklyn Nets played basketball where my old school was. Mm-hmm. I used to do swimming lessons with the YMCA across from where the Barclays is. I used wow. to go to a donut shop. I'd go every Wednesday and eat there for years. That's my old hood. That's yeah. my old stomping grounds. I'm a root for the Sixers. Wow. Because they have balls. They play with what They do. These, these yellows, this, 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 this hardened guy who plays like a taxi cab. I'm sorry. I say it like it is. I don't like athletes that make a trillion dollars and play like softies. <laughs> you know. Listen. By the way, I'm not the biggest KD fan. He can make all his money on Bitcoin he wants. Wow. He needs to stop sticking his foot in his mouth and playing basketball. He, all he does is screw it up by saying something dumb. Serge Ibaka? Really? No, they didn't yeah, play the whole clip. Attention. They didn't play the whole clip. He, They corrected him, and he was like, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. It's Russ. Take Serge off that list. Because I saw and then I listened okay, to the whole clip, and he put Russ in the top five. This is where I say I tell Frank all the time. Why in the world would you say blah, blah yeah. when you can say blah? Yeah, no, I get it. I was, First thing you got to say is, yo, man, that's a tough question to ask me on the spot. Yeah, give me a minute. And that's pretty much. Right up. Go. That is pretty. Thank you, Larry, for coming on. I think this is the first time. Not I think. This is the first time that Larry's joined me on my show for a segment. I think we should probably do this a little more often. Whatever you want, it's man. it's fun. Thank yeah. you. I, you don't want to go long, Frank? He's not allowed to go long? No? I'm not allowed to go long. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. I don't want to get trouble <laughs> with Amanda. I don't want to get trouble with Amanda, so I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking. We are Good done stuff. here this week. Ladies and gentlemen, hope you enjoyed the show. Same time, same place next week. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145. Slam Radio. Have a great Wednesday, everyone. The views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.